Hello, everyone, and welcome to Innovation Fuel, the podcast that brings you fantastic stories from entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. I am Dave Kiran. And I am Gelore Fahadian. We are educators, entrepreneurs, and your hosts. Innovation Fuel is our weekly business podcast brought to you by University Canovest. Each week, we explore diverse business models, entrepreneur journeys, experts' insight, and managerial challenges, and how companies stay agile and innovative during COVID-19. Check out our episodes at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovationfuel. Galari, how are you doing today? I'm very good. I'm very yeah. good. I'm watching a lot of TikTok stuff. I like it. Getting used Video, video production. You know, <laughs> video production. What an expense. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, no, it's TikTok is not a very expensive, but it's it's for entertainment, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be very expensive for small businesses, the startups. They want to do content marketing for themselves, create video. Don't you yeah. think that's? Oh, totally. Like you think about the production costs, hiring film crews, making sure you shoot it in the right area, you know, make sure you have the right sound, make sure you have the sound bites, you know, all of this stuff starts to add up, but you know, you know, and how do you keep up? Because now this, this evolution of storytelling on social media and more of this element of that element of small business and medium business is needing to do, you know, pretty good quality content in a storytelling format with really quick turnaround and how do you do it exactly so i think that it's uh technology is going to help us to reduce the cost and time and help the um, marketing directors to make this um, decision faster mm-hmm. and they can convince their boss in their base of the cost and timing as well so why they need to create this video um and how fast they can do that but um there is an app it's a human five mm. that is going to help uh, businesses. It's not just small businesses; it's even big enterprises that they can use this app to create video as a content market. So we want to bring Michael Cheng, CEO and co-founder of Lumen Five. Yes, hello, Michael, and welcome to Innovation Fuel. We're so excited to to have spend some time here with you and learn more about Lumen. Five. We, we think of some exciting things happening there. But before we get to all that juicy goods, we need to know a little bit more about you, Michael. Can you give us a little bit of a backstory of who you are? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, nice to meet you all. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Michael Chang. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Lumen5, a video creation platform. And prior to all of this, um, you know, I, I went through design school. And that's and a lot of people assume I went through business school. And, and no, I actually did very poorly uh, in many of my business courses. Um, but what I learned from design and product design is it's really about coming up with solutions to problems. And uh, as I built my career in design, I started to become fascinated in solving not just user interface problems or user experience problems, but what about world problems? How do we design solutions to problems that we encounter in a day-to-day? And before I knew it, I fell into the path of entrepreneurship and came to realize that if an, an, an entrepreneur is a problem solver, uh, and that's what I've always done as a as a designer throughout my earlier career. 
Um, and in my early days, I solved a lot of smaller problems as you would as an entrepreneur starting out. I encountered small hiccups in my day to day. I would build things and figure out solutions to solve them. And then as my career progressed as an entrepreneur, began tackling larger and larger problems. And that's where my career got more and more exciting to have the opportunity to impact more people, work with more customers, work with more users. Uh, and that has been the, the earlier part of my journey. It's there's still a long way to go and I'm excited to see where I go. So, I mean, um, thank you, Michael, but what is Lumen5? Yeah, great question. Uh, Lumen5 is a video creation solution. So around four and a half years ago was when we started the, the company Lumen5. And what we saw at that time was that video really took over the internet by storm. Um, and there's so much demand for video content. I think there's just something very human about watching video, whether it's television or something about the multimedia element to it that captures multiple senses. It's not just text. It's not just images. When you put a video together, there's mood, there's pacing, and it makes you feel things. Um, and when 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 phones became powerful enough to load video, when data plans became powerful enough for anyone to be watching video content, the demand for video content was just crazy. Then at the same time, the business opportunity that we identified was that, well, where does all where do all these videos? come from? Where's the supply side of video? Uh, and what we found was that video are, are incredibly difficult to create. So you have to hire professionals, you hire an agency, maybe you use a heavy duty Adobe After Effects or some sort of film software to produce video. Um, but how do we as entrepreneurs create an, a solution so that anyone can make video content? And we drew a lot of inspiration from PowerPoint. You know, PowerPoint made it so easy to make presentations. How can we make presentations without PowerPoint? And using that very similar philosophy, we created Lumen5, which is almost like the PowerPoint for video. It makes it so easy for anyone without any kind of experience with video before to be able to create captivating videos. Uh, and our primary use case to this day is to help marketing teams and communications teams create content for marketing purposes in video format. Perfect, but what are your competitors? Because are you same as TikTok? Um, thing that I, I think we as a as a creation platform differ from platforms like TikTok or Instagram is TikTok and Instagram are platforms for uh, browsing and the discovery of video, whereas we really focus on the creation of the content itself. And while Instagram and TikTok tend to have their own creation tools, what we've specialized in is really the business context. Uh, and a lot of these apps, especially mobile uh, video editing or mobile creation are really tailored towards the consumer side. It's for creating entertaining content. You can go on TikTok and there's a lot of entertaining content out there. Uh, but the, the problem that we saw was unsolved was what about businesses? Businesses are looking to establish thought leadership. They're trying to build brand awareness or pursue um, a certain level of spreading of their industry expertise to build trust and authority within their industries. That type of storytelling was underserved. TikTok doesn't help businesses with that. Uh, Instagram doesn't help businesses with that. And as a result, we see that a lot of the videos created on Lumen5 are posted on networks like LinkedIn, where it's targeted towards a professional audience. So um, who is your main clients, audience, as you can say that, I mean, means just the small businesses for the uh, marketing or others like education can be your uh, customers or not? 
We started off, uh, you know, four years ago, our customer base was very different. Um, and where we've started was definitely in small businesses, affiliate marketing, e-commerce, you know, people just starting out and trying to experiment with what video could mean for them as, as, a, as a small business. But over time, we started to see that larger and larger businesses started to see the need. Um, companies with marketing and communications teams of 10, 15 people started to experiment with using Lumen5 collaboratively to create and manage a single content funnel together, all the way through to now where we're seeing a lot of activity in the enterprise sector, in the Fortune 500 sector. And the problems that we're solving there is also very interesting. Large companies tend to run into content bottlenecks. They have video teams, they have the resources for agencies, but those uh, that approach to that that kind of high effort approach to video production takes weeks. And so imagine you're a, a local team and you put in a request to headquarters for a video to be produced. You, you wait three, four weeks uh, for that video to come back. And that's the kind of problem we solve for enterprise customers is putting video creation into the hands of their marketing and communications teams all around the world so that local teams don't have to rely on headquarters for video resources. They can actually tell the stories and take matter into their own hands. So, Michael, would you say your competitive advantage is in your quickness to market? So your quickest of response, like you're saying, big, large organizations, they have these video production teams, but it seems like they're slow moving. Yeah, that's that's right. So what I've seen is that um, when it comes to video over the past five years, a new type of video has emerged, a type of video that never existed before. Much of the infrastructure that large companies have built are, here's a video team, elite team, we can use it to produce our high production ads. We can, maybe there's a Super Bowl slot and you wanna make these very, very high production pieces. Then over the past five years, we've seen this new dynamic happen. Every platform has stories now, even LinkedIn has LinkedIn stories. You post something, it disappears in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. This type of rapid the churning of content means that brands have to produce more content than ever before. They can't just invest a million dollars in a video because then it's gone in 24 hours. So it's it's fundamentally a new type of content. Um, and that is, as you've described, uh, that is the quickness to market. That is how can you produce content consistently and frequently. Um, and the old model of doing that no longer works. Hiring professionals and agencies is very difficult or not feasible from a financial perspective. A lot of times these videos traditionally could cost $5,000, $15,000 per piece. And so to produce three or four a day uh, is just not feasible. And Lumen5 creates an alternative where um, the videos that people create on Lumen5 tend to be a bit simpler, but you can, the average completion time on our platform is six minutes. You can get a piece of video content, one or two minutes, bite-sized thought leadership content that you can put out there within you know, six minutes. Um, and that's the competitive advantage that we have over many of the alternatives today. And I would just want to tell you that it is, I think that it's a great um, idea, business idea, but it's, it means here you create, you created an app that we can create a video content way more easier, right? And then you have a client that they want to reduce the time and cost as well. So what is your cost? It means your pricing strategy for helping them. It's, it should be less than their team as well, right? Um, uh, so in, in creating a technology solution, what that allows us to do is to offer the solution at scale. It is mostly self-service as opposed to uh, using labor hours to help a client produce video. Our technology can be used by 
hundreds of thousands of people concurrently around the world. Uh, and the way we price it is really for access to premium features. We run a freemium model, uh, which is to say that anyone can sign up for a free account on Lumen5 and create video content. Uh, one of the first kind of incentives to upgrade is that there's a Lumen5 watermark at the end of the video that says created using Lumen5. Now for our free users who do, who are, maybe they're in a part of their business where they're not ready to incur costs on software, that's fine because as they create and publish those videos, um, they're also advertising Lumen5 by having that watermark that says created ah. using Lumen5. Uh, and there's a lot of value in, in allowing that free usage. Now for the users who are a bit more serious about video and want to really take control of their own branding, they upgrade to a monthly plan. And, and uh, we have a range of monthly plans designed for different sizes of businesses and different features. Uh, and it ranges all the way from upgrade to this plan to remove the watermark, all the way through to having multiple team members being able to collaborate through permissions of editors and admins. Um, so it's a monthly subscription model tiered by different requirements of the different types of businesses that use Lumen5. I like this, Michael. You you have a two-sided model here. It seems like you've got the one side that definitely leads towards subscription-based elements, and the other side is almost going back to a kind of a Spotify approach to this. So it's a freemium, but you're still getting benefit from advertising. That's right. So um, one more thing is that it sounds that your business model is growing. I mean, that it's determined to growing fast, and it's kind of organic growing Right. And so can you talk about your grow, your growing story? I mean, when you start, how fast you grow? Yeah. So I, I'd love to talk about them kind of in different stages. There's the first stage where it was really growth hacking, organic, finding the first hundred, first thousand users. And then there's how we scale through virality, through word of mouth, and then more of where we're at now of actually building a sales and marketing engine to grow to the next stage. So in the early stages, um, what I really capitalized on at that time, this would have been five years ago, is everyone was talking about video. Everyone was thinking about video. Um, and there were a lot of discussions around the internet around, well, we know that video is important, but how should we address it? And at that time, there were lots of different ideas ideas for how people can take a video editing course, learn how to use Adobe After Effects. So I participated, I personally participated in a lot of those online forums on Quora, on Reddit, uh, in, in, in kind of sharing the solution that I was thinking about. Hey, what do you think of this? We built a minimum viable product. Can I get some feedback? And I would be all, all over different subreddits. Um, and I think one of the hallmarks of our early stage growth strategy was I was on Fiverr uh, creating videos for $5. For those unfamiliar with the platform, Fiverr allows you to pay $5 to get a task done. And there was so much demand for video that I knew if I put up a task that I was willing to create a video for a brand or a business for $5, um, customers started to roll in. But of course, the competitive advantage that I had over other uh, service providers was I was using a technology solution. So I can actually create a video for $5 profitably. Um, and then through that experience, that actually allowed me to, as the user of the platform, uh, servicing customers for a nominal fee of $5, allow me to iterate based on customer feedback, what they wanted in the video. Uh, and then over time, built and improved the product uh, uh, in that manner. And then at a certain point in time, when I felt like we were ready to move off of that approach, I sent Lumen5 to all of my Fiverr customers and said, hey, you know, I've been creating all these great videos uh, for $5. I've actually been able to do it in in five minutes or less. Uh, and here's the tool that I used and now it's all yours. Um, and so that was, 
that was kind of the path to the first hundred or first thousand customers on on these organic forums, Facebook groups, and having these conversations with with our uh, very very early adopters. And then from there, uh, a lot of the virality took over. So as as we talked about before, running a freemium model, including watermarks, so that every video that gets published says created using Lumen Five, started to create a bit of a network effect um, as people create videos and publish them to their followers, whether it's a couple hundred, a couple thousand, or some brands might have tens of thousands of followers, that watermark started to gain exposure and that attracted people as they consume video content on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. They see this watermark um, and there's a subset of that audience who goes, oh, I also want to create video for my brand. What is this Lumen5 thing? Let me go check it out. Uh, and I think that kind of virality and organic growth carried us through to the second stage of our growth. And then now to where we are now, where we're a bit more of a mature business. Now we're investing in, uh, in ad spend, in outbound sales, and we're exploring partnerships and content marketing. So more of a traditional way to scale marketing and growth. So Michael, going through those stages, like what, what type of challenges did you face along those things? Did you know the pathways that you wanted to take along those stages or were they discovered along the way? They were absolutely discovered along the way. Um, and one way I, I look at building product or really building any business is at the beginning, you have no data, um, nothing to go off of. And so you really have to trust your gut instinct and learn very rapidly. And during that time, it was a lot of shots in the dark. And that's why I was really having conversations in places like Reddit and Quora. Uh, and at that point, it wasn't so much about pursuing a vision, more so around uh, trying different ideas in, in, in verbal form to see what sticks and then starting to build minimal viable products to test some of these ideas with one or two people. And then as you get to 100 users or 1,000 users that I got from Fiverr or Reddit, now there's data and you can start to listen to customer feedback. What's, what's useful? What's missing? Um, you can start to gather data on who are the most active users, who are the use cases uh, that they're pursuing, because there's so many different types of videos that you can create. And as I mentioned earlier, we don't specialize in entertainment. And entertainment is a massive part of video. Um, and what we focus on is really corporate communications, content marketing, thought leadership content. And that's something that we learn by watching uh, our, our users. And at that time, especially when we introduced pricing, that was a big, uh, big decision. What use case do we pursue? And overwhelmingly at that point in time, the paying customers tended to be the businesses that were willing to pay for a tool in pursuit of content marketing and brand awareness, as opposed to if we went the consumer routes to create video for entertainment, I think it would be much harder to build a business around that with so many free tools uh, like TikTok and, and, and Instagram available. And of course, consumer is a space that's, that's difficult to monetize in the early stages. Um, and then as monetization kicked into our engine, that then allowed us to focus in. And because Lumen5 has a fairly large user base, we have over 800,000 users, which means it's really important for us to not listen to all of them because building a product for everyone is building a product for no one. Um, and with the pricing model, it gave us a good sense of who to pay particular attention to, who are the customers that are willing to pay more, and as a result, are, we're more effectively solving their problems. Um, and then just talking to them. It's, a, it's the same thing that I've done since day zero. Talk to your customers, ask them what their day-to-day -day looks like. Uh, for most people, a tool that they use is just one of many. Asking them about the other tools that they use will give you a lot of insight into the other pain points that they experience, which then leads into expansion opportunities for product development. This is really great and fantastic. I already have a lot of ideas about how to use this one for myself. <laughs> oh, it's not just about entertainment. I think that it's a lot of huge potential. So I, did, you, did you raise any fund 
or did you help? Did you got any help for finance part? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and it's I think we're a bit of a rare case in the startup world. Uh, we never raised funding. We still to this day haven't raised any investor funding. Um, and the idea wasn't it wasn't a strict decision like we decided not to raise money. Uh, I think the idea was always we 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 know that it's um it's it's very challenging to raise money without traction, without customers, without revenue. And if you have customers and revenue and traction, it's so much easier to then go raise money. Um, so I felt like you know the part of my job that I enjoy more is in product development and talking to customers. Fundraising is generally not that fun of an experience. So I decided, well, let's focus on building our customer base and get revenue. And then once we have that, we can we can go fundraise. Um, but then, of course, you, know, you, you get customers, you grow, you, you have traction, and then the revenue pays for the growth. And then you ask yourself, well, what are we raising money for if there's revenue coming from, from our customers? Um, and then we just kept going. And four and a half years later, we continue to grow and build in that same manner. Um, and that's not to say that we will never fundraise. I still think that there's lots of good reasons to fundraise. Uh, maybe we get to a certain stage where it becomes incredibly difficult. Like, for example, building a $10 million business is just different than building a billion dollar business. And at a certain point in time, fundraising might be required to get to a certain stage. But I also look at so many inspirations, companies that that have never raised funding. And there's a whole list of them. Like I challenge everyone who um, is curious about entrepreneurship to just Google biggest bootstrapped companies. Uh, and there's so many of them out there. Uh, another thing I'm fascinated by is that most of the companies that we know and love today never really raise capital. It's kind of the past 10 years that fundraising became this thing. Like Bill Gates wasn't going around raising capital for Microsoft, all of the big auto companies. Uh, I think Apple had a very small angel investment. So this, this idea of venture capital is actually quite new. Um, and as you dig into it, uh, you start to see that it's not necessary to build a successful business. So we've had this discussion before with, with a couple of different audiences and, and, and different entrepreneurs and different co co uh, perspectives around this element of when to finance, when to fund, when to do these elements and, and, and lots of lots of debate back and forth. But I like where you're going with this, you know, and, and, and I think if you can bootstrap it yourself and you can grow it yourself. It, you get to keep the ownership of it. The more you give away at that beginning, the less you get to retain. Um, but you know, and I think there's an opportunity there. But was there any opportunity there that you where you went to maybe some grant funding or anything that maybe the government uh, offered to help you grow the uh, they grow, they grow the idea? Yeah, I should highlight this as well. Uh, um, earlier, I was mentioning that we we don't we haven't raised investor capital, um, but operating in Canada, there's so many great government grant support, and that is definitely something that played a role in our growth as well, and offsetting the risk and offsetting the cost. Uh, like many tech companies, we tap into the IRAP program and the Shred program. Uh, and I strongly encourage anyone who's exploring building a business in tech to look into those programs. Uh, the government has lots of support around it as well. It's not like you have to run the whole application process by yourself. They have grant managers and program managers that guide business owners like myself along the way as well. Um, and those were the two more prominent uh, grants that we we leveraged in building our businesses. There are more minor grants like training grants and export grants, but really the core pillars were IRAP and SHRED. Um, so it's the organic growth is fantastic that you are a great case to show you that organic growth. So what are your strategic resources to growing this much fast? I think the um, being able to act like a venture backed company without being venture backed is actually the real challenge with bootstrapping. Um, and even now, you know, as the owner of the business that hasn't been diluted through investments, 
it kind of feels like I'm spending my own money. And then like all the risks that we take, it's, it's, a, it's a large amount of capital for any single individual. Um, but we've always pushed ourselves to do that. Um, one of the ways we fuel our growth is to always aim for zero profitability. So every time we generate profits, we reinvest it in hiring the team, growing the team, taking continuous risks, and always putting uh, the capital we generate on the line to risk and gain more. And that's the whole point of venture capital is to have cash that you're willing to risk in pursuit of more. And I think one of the more common um, mistakes with bootstrapping is you know you generate the revenue and then you're too conservative with the spend because it is your own money. Um, and you start to ask yourself, oh, should I spend it on this ad campaign or should I just buy a house in the suburbs? <laughs> and so this continuous decision of really putting money on the line really investing in product and the team. Um, I think that has been one of the ways that we've been able to leverage the resources that we continue to gain um, back into the business itself. And that has required a, can be scary at times, um, requires discipline for sure, but it has resulted in the growth that we've seen. Um, so you are hiring a lot, right? Mm -hmm. You want to have more people in terms of your growth. So what are your challenges for finding them? It's not easy to find them in BC, I think, in Vancouver, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think business is a group of people. And so a good business is a good group of people. Um, and we've always had a very strong emphasis on building people and culture and hiring is a big part of that. Um, in the early days, you know, we stuck with the, the, the basics, like we go on Craigslist and Monster and job boards and so forth and personal connections. Over time, we got a lot better at it uh, and having an in-house recruiting function, outbound LinkedIn messages. Uh, we attend a lot of hiring events these days to build an employer brand and to really share what we're all about. Um, we've also, you know, aside from just outbound recruiting, invest a lot into people and culture to build that employer brand as well. Uh, so we're very fortunate to be a finalist in this year's Technology Impact Awards as Tech Culture of the Year. And those kinds of recognition helps us build the employer brand to let people know that, hey, this is what Lumen5 is. Uh, not only are we building cool tech, we also really care about our people and our culture. And those are some of the things that we've been able to do as a bootstrap company, uh, being having control to be able to deploy capital into uh, taking care of our people and building a positive culture as opposed to just more of a pure relentless approach to revenue growth. Uh, not that all venture-backed companies need to do that, obviously, but um, it is it has been nice to have that flexibility to invest into our people and culture. Um, and uh, we've, we've had a lot of hires externally as well. So you mentioned the challenge of hiring from BC. One of the great government programs in Canada that we've tapped into is the global talent stream. Uh, but 25% of our team is actually hired uh, overseas. And we've, we've sponsored the visas and reallocated people from Amsterdam and Dubai and India to move to British Columbia to work with us. So there's a very international component to our recruitment as well. So Michael, when you're talking about recruiting people to your operation here in British Columbia, are you also open to having people work remotely in other places or is it the, is the part of your culture to bring them here? It's currently definitely part of our culture to bring them here. And, and the way I look at it is the larger the company, the more systems and processes you have to be able to manage a remote workforce. In the early stages, I, I find it, I find it, I have found it incredibly challenging and during the lockdown have found it especially challenging. Uh, 
Um, and in the early stages of a company, and we're still just 40 people, so it's not like we're this 4,000 person company, uh, our systems and processes are still coming together and it requires a lot of that being together, whiteboarding, brainstorming. And so our preference continues to be to either hire locally or to relocate people to British Columbia. Uh, and I think at some point that might change when you get to a certain size, inevitably you have multiple offices, you have different functions and departments. But for me, it's really important to build that that strong foundation. And that's why we continue to hire locally and relocate people here. So what approach you have? So what you're doing for your employer branding? So how how you recognize, I mean, introduce yourself to the market that people come and work for you? What is your strategy? Yeah, it's, this, is a, this is an interesting topic because when we talked about it, the most obvious strategy was just to pay well. <laughs> and and we, we, we looked at all this creative things that we could do with employer branding. But at the end of the day, it's about compensation. Uh, and one thing that we've, we've always held to high regards is pay well, be competitive, uh, do your research, find out what the market rates are, take the risk. I know a lot of startups, um, and especially in the early, early, earlier stages, and we're guilty in the early stages as well, um, of not paying competitive wages. But as soon as we have the resources, we, we pay either equal to market rate or far above market rate. And I think our our high compensation has been a really effective recruitment strategy. And then on top of that, um, great benefits is something that we really focus on as well. And, and just at the end of the day, people come to work for compensation and having a really strong comp package. Um, as I mentioned earlier, a business is just a group of people and investing in the people is the same as investing in the business. So, Michael, in your recruiting process, and, and this is one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of tech companies do, is in, involving more testing and actually finding out if they actually have the abilities and the capabilities to do what you want them to do in the in the recruiting process. Are you guys adopting any processes in that way where you're testing and putting you into the into that into the hot seat? Yeah, for sure. So we do um, four rounds of interviews. Uh, we draw a lot of inspiration from more sophisticated companies. I know Amazon does more than four rounds, but you know we we have a simplified version of that. Um, uh, there's the phone screen and then there's more of a technical assessment and that's where the testing happens and it differs from role to role. So a testing interview or a technical interview from an engineer perspective or a sales perspective can be very different, but that round is where we spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, and then there's more of a work history interview where we explore the aspirations of the individuals, their cultural alignment, what they care about, how do they view their career, how do they want their career to go in the coming years. Uh, and then there's a culture fit interview, which is more specific specifically focused on how they work, environments that they've enjoyed and appreciated in the past. So between the four rounds of interviews, which are conducted by different people, we get more of a 360 view of the individuals, not just about their skills, but who they are. We test for all sorts of different things, and we incorporate lots of different opinions from within the company as well to increase the likelihood that we would find someone that's a good fit for the role in the company. I love it, my friend. This has been an absolute brilliant conversation. You, you, you are you're, you're a brilliant individual. I love where you're going with this organization. I think the sky's the limit. I think we might be on to another unicorn here. I don't want to say it too much, but you're <laughs> another Vancouver unicorn. We see a lot of unicorns coming out of Vancouver, which is really great news. Um, but you know, Michael, let's see if we can get our audience to help you in this journey. Do you have a challenge that you can throw out to our 
you know, to our students or to our listeners out there that they might be able to help you or there's a bigger challenge that you want to throw out? Certainly do. So um, one of the easiest way to, to kind of get, in, get, 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 get into Lumen5 is you know, just go to our website and take a look at our copy and our content. And one of the recent challenges we've had is we've, we've, as we've discussed here, we're moving up market. We're seeing larger and larger businesses use Lumen5, but a lot of the language we're using was designed for to resonate with the small business audience. Um, and one of the challenges that I'm thinking about these days is as a company and as a brand move up market, how do you change the voice and tone? How do you use the words? How do you change the words um, since that we're no longer targeting a small business owner, but how would a CMO think? Uh, how do we evolve a brand? And a lot of times we look at big companies like Salesforce and we see them in the end states. What I'm not clear on is this middle state. How does a company evolve into Salesforce? So that's the challenge I would put out there. Um, how would you change the tagline? How would you change the copy, the voice and tone and the brand to help a company like Lumen5 move up market? Absolutely brilliant, my friend. Love it. I love the conversation today. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Fuel. To all entrepreneurs and managers out there, we have ambitious students here at UCW who would love to hear from you and help you with your business through our internship, our capstone program. If you think you have a wonderful story or a challenge that you want to share with our students and our audience that you think they can benefit from, we want to hear from you. We want that information. We want you to be a part of this show. We also want you to join our mentorship program. We've got a great mentorship program to help students as they move on their educational journey towards getting into a career or launching a new opportunity. So reach out to us, connect with us at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. You have just listened to the Innovation Fuel podcast with your hosts, Dave and Gellere. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Join us next week for another innovative story. Thank you for listening and have a great week.